I'll, I'll let the fellow at the back tweak my mic as he feels fit. How's that? We're in unison. Hey, um, firstly, on behalf of Shalom House, I just want to say thanks to Pastor Steve. Got it right, Pastor you Steve? Right. Yeah. 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 See, I read it on my hand, you see. <laughs> <laughs> that I, I don't That's make good. a mistake. You like that? You can be yeah. yeah. And the second thing I want to do is just want to honour uh, Brad Middleton and Rachel Middleton. Um, Brad actually, uh, 10 years back, was a, a strong part of actually Shalom kicking off and a, a long, uh, strong part of the men's ministry that I used to do. And so I just want to honour the man yeah. and uh, thank you for actually helping me. He actually helped me to lay the foundation actually to get the men's ministry started, which, which actually led into Shalom. And, and then Brad went his way and I went my way. And, and Brad, I don't know how many people you have under your care, but I'm in a bit of a pickle. But I want to honour you and thank you for all that you put in me back there, back then, and all my men back there, back then, and especially your wife for actually releasing you to do what you did. Um, you are a part of the foundation uh, of Shalom, and I've taken a lot of the wisdom that you have, and, I, and I've put it into practice. Thank you. Um, we're going to pray. Bear your heads, please. So, Dad, as I come before you, Dad, in the precious name of my Lord and Saviour, and Jesus Christ, the name above every name, I love you, Dad. I honour you, Dad. I praise you and worship you with every molecule and every fibre, every atom of my being. My prayer today, Dad, is that you chucked the lefty at me. What I was going to say, I can't say. So we're going to have to wing it, Lord. And, and I just pray that whatever you once said would be said. I pray that I not be glorified in the eyes of any person here. Lord God, that whatever you once said would be spoken. They wouldn't hear my voice, but your voice in me. I give you all the glory, all the honour and all the praise. And just want to acknowledge, Lord, before everything seen and everything unseen, that you, Lord God, have done everything, not because of me, but in spite of me. And I just trust that the leading of the Holy Spirit, Lord, in Jesus' precious name. Amen. 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 So we run Shalom House, or I run a Shalom House, and I've, I've raised up a fellow that's actually taken me spot. So I'm basically rolled now as CEO. And what I've done is I've actually learnt it, uh, and then I've taught it, and then I've delegated it, learnt it, taught it, delegated it. Um, one fellow told me once sitting in the coffee shop that I'm a high-functioning D. I'm thinking, what's a high-functioning D? <laughs> and I remember sitting at the coffee shop as he'd draw these things and there's clerics and spolerics and all these other things. And, but he said it was a high-functioning D. And I didn't know what a high-functioning D was, but I've learned over the last probably 10 years um, what the high-functioning D. Thank you very much, Brad. Um, it was actually Brad sitting in the coffee shop telling me, hey, you're a high-functioning D. High function means I actually don't stop. I'm 18 hours a day, seven days a week, and my brain can't sit still. And the second thing I want to do before I go any further is my beautiful wife. And she's here somewhere. Where are you, Amanda? If you please stand to your feet. And this is my princess. This is the jewel of my heart. I've been, I've been with my wife for nearly, uh, we'd be close to say 29 years this year. And we've been married for 25 years on the 5th of November. Um, Often people can get up here and say, hey, that when they look at their wife, their heart flutters. When I look at my wife, my heart flutters. It actually skips a beat. My wife is absolutely beautiful and gorgeous and special, and she really does matter to me. Um, she's my closest friend, and I honour you, sweetie. You're gorgeous. She's a, they talk about her, actually, if you want to know, in Proverbs 31, she's a virtuous and capable wife, a woman of noble character. She rises early in the morning, and her candle burns late at night. A perfect mother, perfect wife, perfect best friend. Back to the sermon. So I actually run, <laughs> I run Shalom House. 
So basically, we have nearly 140 fellas. We fluctuate between 140 fellas, 15, 15 families, 15 families. What I mean by families is we actually take the fella in first. We don't have one program. We have 140 programs because we have 140 people. Sometimes it could be 131 or 130, 29, or, but we're just going to stick to 140 because it's easier because I've got like a rehearsed speech happening. <laughs> so we, we're going to just stick with 140. So we've got 140 fellows, which means we don't have one program. We have 140 different programs. Because the second we all popped out old cheese's tummy, we begin to be programmed. And if you're all, for those of you who are wondering what old cheese means, it means your ma, mum. I've got a lot of slang, ducks, nuts, bees, knees, cooter, as you might remember, Brad. Yeah, so I've got a lot of slang, so catch up with me. I don't mean to be rude or disrespectful, so please guard your hearts. If you go to China, they speak Chinese. If you go to Mongolia, which I did last year, watch out for them drop holes. But they speak Mongolian. <laughs> If you go to Thai Bali, they speak Balinese, and if you grew up the way that I grew up, you got a lot of slang. And a lot of my fellows in my house, we actually have a lot of slang. So they'll understand. And, and the reason I actually walked around and split all my men up, if you need an interpreter at any stage when I speak, because <laughs> the way that I've repositioned my men, you should have one next to you and say, what did he say? <laughs> it's called logistical mastermind move. So if you need an interpreter, just ask the fellow next to you. You should have one next year. But the second you pop out your old cheese's tummy, you begin to be programmed. And how you're programmed is by the way your mum is your mum and your dad is your dad. You're actually being programmed. By the way that they've moral motherhood and fatherhood in the home, you, you are being programmed. You're also being programmed by the schools that you go to. You're being programmed by the way the teacher teaches and the circle of kids you hang around. You're being programmed. And all of us, as we live life, we face circumstances that we do and we don't create. And as we face those circumstances, we actually implement patterns of behaviour, ways to communicate, ways to express how we feel, and if it works for us, it actually becomes part of who we are. Would you agree? Yes. I can't hear. Yes. I want a bit of noise. Would you agree? Yes. That's it. Rightio. If we said to the ladies, it would be a nice, beautiful squeak. If we said to them, Rrr. But we're all being programmed. My program is a little bit skew-iffy. Um, when I got nuked in 2002, I was selling two and a half kilos of meth a day, heaps of guns, a lot of nine mills, and a lot of stupid stuff. But I spent 26 years of my life in prisons and institutions, trapped in a world that I didn't want to be in. 26 years of, of being somebody that I didn't want to be, and my whole life I just want to be a geek like you, mob. <laughs> Seriously, you're, you're all a bunch of geeks. And I don't mean that disrespectfully. You're a normal person. You're a productive member of society. You're free from the influence of drugs and substances. You work from Monday to Friday, 9 to 5. You sit at the table and you have a feed and talk about nothing for half an hour. <laughs> You're a bunch of geeks. <laughs> I never in my life actually sat at a kitchen table until I hit the age of 32. And when I got nuked, I remember it was so uncomfortable. I'm sat in there and I got my woman sitting there. My woman, by the way, is my wife. You can't call my woman my woman because it's my woman. But my woman was sitting there. I remember Ryan sitting there and Pete sitting there and our first time in 30, 32, 32 years I've ever sat at a kitchen table and had a meal. Isn't that shocking? It is shocking. But I was so uncomfortable trying to pray and sit at a table. My son Pete was six and my other son Ryan was two and I've never even sat at a kitchen table and had a meal with them. Never done nothing wrong with them, never kicked the footy, never played in the park. I was too busy shooting up, sticking pigs in my arms, sleeping with prostitutes, breaking into houses, selling guns and drugs, doing 16 days no sleep. Until the age of 33, I never sat with them. Not okay. 
A geek is a normal person. They're productive as members of society. Um, they're free from the influence of drugs and substances. They do the normal stuff, you know, like kids can get up in the in, about a bed in the morning, they can run up the corridor and they jump in the bed for mum and dad and they have a cuddle. Um, I never had that. They go on family holidays. Uh, I never had that. They go to one school. I went to 16 different schools, only made grade six, and can't even read running writing. And personally, it was up to me, if I ever get into politics, we're going to have a crack at 2021, I'm going to get rid of that word there. T-H-E-R-E-I-R-E. -E -E. I don't think it's funny. It does my head in. Yeah, it does my head in. It's not right. No, it's not right. I reckon we should get up a petition happening. I've spoken in a school down Collie, and I'm sitting there, and I draw it on the board, and I put the word there, and then I get some year six kid, said, excuse me, and I put his hand up, and I write on the board there, and she goes, you spelled there wrong. And I thought, ooh. She had to tell me how to spell it. But it was a there that I'd never seen before. It had an apostrophe RE. <laughs> Honestly, didn't know they had a there with an apostrophe RE. How, how many there's is there? <laughs> and where did they go? <laughs> it does my head in. <laughs> now, I never grew up with a face background. Um, I actually thought I was just a fart in the wind. That when I croaked it, that's it, I'm gone. All over. Finished. How many of you thought like that? Thank you for your honesty. And a lot of my men, they come in, they think they're just farts in the wind. And I wonder, when you croak it, by the way, I'm, I'm also a Church of Christ minister. The good thing about the Churches of Christ, but not a denomination or an association, so we can be who we are. Isn't that cool? <laughs> so I become all things to all men that all would come to the knowledge of the truth. Isn't that good? I've learnt more in the last 10 years than I have in my whole life. I feel like I'm in a science fiction movie. <laughs> Seriously. But I used to think I was a fart in the wind. I had an encounter with God firstly when I was 18 and I was talking about it last night at church as I was preaching. And the experience that I felt when I was 18 to feel this force in my room. I was on my knees. I'd just finished watching a movie. I went back to my slot and I got on my knees in my prison cell, 18th May 1986. And I prayed out and I said, God, if you're real... I want to know you, and I'm telling you, oh my God. Love in its purest form. Truth in its purest form. Mercy in its purest form. Grace in its purest form. Man, it's the first time I just felt like I actually belonged. But I honestly thought I was just a fart in the wind. I thought I was going to be stuck in that world forever. My whole life I just hated who I was. Everything about me, I grew up in prison since the age of nine. I spent seven years in Longmore, two years in Riverbank. But I remember watching that video, praying that prayer, and then I knew that I wasn't just a fart in the wind. I knew there was real. And at the age of 17, he gave me a scripture, John 8:32. It says, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Right. So I'm actually going to pick up from yesterday's message. And for you who weren't on yesterday's message, you should catch up by yesterday's message, by today's message. <laughs> but then I got out, and I stopped reading my Bible. I stopped praying, and I just went like a dog to the vomit and a pig to the mud. And slowly my heart started becoming hard and I got stuck back into that world that I come from. If, if it was 20 years ago, 18 years ago, I've been a Christian now, probably 18, 19 years, 19 years ago, I couldn't actually feel comfortable around you. Even a lot of my men who are sitting next to you right now actually feel really uncomfortable in your presence. It's sad. Um, because they believe in their heart that you're actually better than they are. Men, hands up if I'm correct. Nice and high. 
Now, everyone, hold your hands up, fellas. Everyone who's of this church, look around, please. Hey, put your hands down. So they believe in the heart that you're actually better than they are. And some of them did at the beginning, and now they know that they're actually the same as you. So you see, if a person believes a lie is the truth, that lie becomes their truth. My whole life, I got sexually abused. I got a whole heap of stuff. Now, depending on your program, some people call God the light. Some people call him a higher power. Some people call him, I think something's up there. Um, we call him God. Some people call the dark the devil. Some people call the dark a demon. Some people call the dark a really bad man. But there's a light, there's a dark, there's a good, there's a bad, there's a God, there's a devil. Depending on your program, you call him whatever you want. If I was in a public speaking gallery uh, and I had 2,000 people here and I'm doing a seminar, I'd just say, hey, let's just call it light and dark. But because we're in a church, we're Christians, we know that it's God and we know it's the devil, correct? Yeah. So we're going to go with God and the devil. So God and the devil, there's a battle for your soul. When I was born, my program went skewiffy. I was sexually abused as a child. I was, a whole heap of stuff happened to me that wasn't okay. I woke up one morning when I was eight and this bloke had done some stuff to me. Um, I watched my mum getting bashed and raped. I watched my dad take off with another woman. I had unforgiveness, bitterness, resentment, anger, hostility. I kept hearing this voice, you're useless, you're no good. My brain would think about it in my head and I would say, yeah, that's right. And I felt all this stuff keep going into my heart. And I looked at my dad one day, I, I, when I went to Longmore at, at the age of nine, I looked at my dad, I hadn't seen him for two years, he'd run off with a 15-year-old. And I remember looking at him, I was standing where there was a social worker saying to me, hey, Peter, you can either go stay with your dad or you can go to Longmore. But when I looked at my dad, I heard my, this voice saying, he doesn't love you anymore. I remember thinking with my brain and looking with all the stuff in my heart, I thought about it, I checked with what's in my heart, and I said, yeah, that's right. And then I felt this overwhelming anger go from my head into my heart. When I was molested at the age of eight, I had to lay there, I woke up at three o'clock in the morning, this man was doing some stuff to me. I got up out of bed in the morning, couldn't get out of there quick enough. I heard this voice that said, tell your mum. But then I heard this other voice saying, she doesn't love you, she loves the alcohol more than she loves you. And again, I felt, yeah, that's right. Again, I felt something go from my head into my heart. I was told growing up that you're useless, you're a weed, you're no good, you're too demanding, you're this, you're that. And I remember saying, yeah, that's right. And all these words were spoken over my life that actually made me believe so many lies that those lies become my truths. Now, if a person believes a lie is a truth, that lie becomes their truth. All of us are being programmed. Your heart is your hard drive. Out of the heart flow the issues of life. Out of the heart flow the consequences of life. Out of the heart, the mouth speaks. So a man or woman or child thinks in his heart or her heart or their heart, so is he or she or they. Your heart, your hard drive. I've learnt more in the last eight years than I have in my whole life. There is a light, there is a dark, there is a good, there is a bad. Unforgiveness, bitterness, resentment, you're useless, you're a weed, you don't belong, they don't love you anymore, you're better off dead, drugs, addiction, separation, divorce, death, lies, deceit, everything that is actually bad. Light, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, generous, integrity, honesty, family, unity, everything that is 100% good. There's a light, there's a dark, there's a good, there's a bad. There's actually two forces at work. I feel like I'm in a sci-fi mixture movie. When I got nuked by God, I actually got nuked, and I'm telling you I got nuked, where I had an encounter with the ground moved, and a big light in heaven stood up, and I heard this voice and said, be still, I know that I'm God. And I stood in that one spot for three hours with my hands behind my back, just bawling my eyes out. Wow. 
I had a full-on encounter with God that I know that I know that I know that I know that God was God. And then I had three people in the space of 15 Ks uh, tell me that God loved me and he had a plan and a purpose for my life. And for two days, three days, God just hammered me, hounded me and sent all these Christian people across my path that literally nuked the crap out of me. <laughs> and then he told me, I want you to go to church. And when I went into church, his pastor was preaching on how dare that uncircumcised Philistine defy the armies of the living God. And if those of you are sick in your life and you want to come forward for prayer and you're sick and you want to change your life, come forward, put your hand up and ask Jesus Christ into your life and, and he'll change you from the inside out. And when I actually asked Christ in my life, something happened on the inside of my heart. I felt him come on the inside. And it was like these scales had actually dropped from my eyes. It says, But wherever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away, for the Lord is the Spirit. And wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the, Lord, the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. When I encountered Christ, all of a sudden he put a deposit of his Spirit on the inside and it actually put this inexpressible joy on the inside of me. But when you have an encounter like I had and the ground moved, I'm telling you the ground moved, um, I'm, I'm telling you the light came up into heaven and then it disappeared. I heard that voice, I had three people, one after the other, I actually got nuked a bit like Saul on the road to Damascus and I went from zero to 100 and a half a second flat and I became what they call a God botherer. <laughs> if you didn't want to know about God, look out because you're going to know about God. <laughs> and I spent the next 10 years as the biggest God botherer you'll ever meet in the face of your planet. If you don't want to know about Jesus, look out because I'm going to tell you about Jesus. Jesus here and a Jesus there and a Jesus here and a glory there and an amen here and an amen there. I got out of jail, I had to go back to jail. He said, give up everything you own and follow me. So I went to Kaza, then went to Carnet, got out of jail. And then I went and done three years of Bible college. Full-on proselytizer I was. They used to call me the proselytizer. And then I became a volunteer prison chaplain at Acacia Prison for five years. Oh my God, I was a god bother there too. <laughs> my brother actually worked up there. He was one of the... Oh, I got there, he pulled that one up quick. He was one of the prison officers up there. And every time we'd walk in there, we'd come in there with this plan and we'd go around the jail and I had the keys to jail. I remember the first day I walked in, I had these set of keys and my mate Freddie says, hey Pete, what are you doing here, brother? And I said, I got the keys, man. <laughs> <laughs> but I walked around the jail for five years telling everybody about Jesus. Every, every time I'd go down the chapel, I'd have the chapel full, 40, 60, 80 blokes. I remember having 30 blokes in the circle once. Damo G was there. And I just, we laid hands on everybody. Everyone, everyone starts praying in tongues. And I'm seeing these blokes getting filled with the fullness and the goodness and the glory of God. But yet they're going in and they're coming out and they're going in and they're coming out. And I'm thinking, hey, what the heck are you doing? Don't you understand who lives in you? Don't you understand that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the fullness of love, the fullness of truth, the fullness of honesty, the fullness of integrity, the fullness of everything that is perfectly, flawlessly good is inside of you. And yet you get out of this prison and you go like a dog to the vomit, a pig to the mud. And all I did was heap condemnation on them. I was too Christianese. Oh, Christianese, mm, not good. I was a God-botherer. I set the standard of Christianity so high, I was the potter, they were the clay. 
shall the clay say to the potter? Lord Peter, Peter, why do you make me this way? <laughs> no. But I couldn't see it. And I kept getting this voice. Psalm 46.10, Psalm 46.10. Oh, I know what Psalm 46.10 says. Be still and know that I'm God. It's truth. I've been doing that for a long time. And it just kept happening. Yep, I kept ignoring the Psalm 46.10 and just kept being Pete. Christian ease, God bother. Walk in the jail. Oh, hell, look, here comes the God bother out. Right turn, Clive. And everyone would actually avoid us. We had one bloke up the jail. He was a pretty violent sort of fellow. If you want people in the jail, he used to go, hey, you want to come down the, 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 to the chapel? They say, no, no, nah, nah, man. Not. So he go, whack, whack, whack. You want to come to the chapel? Oh, okay. <laughs> I wasn't like that, but I was a proselytizer. He's a bit different. He filled the chapel, by the way. <laughs> I don't know if it's... Uh, wrongdoing isn't wrongdoing to your conscience of wrongdoing. I'll explain something to you quickly. I'll put a, put a change of colour so it looks good. This is my little thing. You've got to remember you cut me some slack. 16 different schools, only my grade 6. Can't even read run writing. Radio. You got me up on the uh, i fi? How's this? What do you reckon, my little man? Light and the dark and the good and the bad. Light, dark, everything dark represents, everything light represents, this is me. <laughs> See that little green dot? What's that? Hey? <laughs> huh? Jesus. So now we've just done a fast forward and caught you up to where I'm at. I've made up for my boo-boo by not putting it on screen. And we're all on the same page. Cool? Any questions? <laughs> no? Nah? That's good. We'll move on. So being a godfather, running around the jail, pushing Jesus down everyone's throat, I was full on Christianese. Who knows what Christianese is? Well, you can't say because I've got the mic. Firstly, a religious person. A religious person is one that walks around fish, chips and salt. Don't ask my men to translate these next three words. Fish. Chips. Chips. Get it? Chips. Hands up if you don't get it. It's a swear word. Fish. Chips. Salt. Salt. The F-bomb, the salt bomb, the chips bomb. A religious person runs around saying fish, chips and salt. What do you, you giggle like a chess cat on heat for? <laughs> I'm going to have to nick, nickname you Giggles. A religious person runs around saying fish, chips and salt. They're actually swear words. You're not supposed to swear. Life and death in the power of the tongue. It's not what goes into a person that pollutes it, but what comes out. Fish, chips and salt. You're supposed to eat it, not spit it out. But a religious person goes around fish, chips and salt every second word. They pervert shillers. They tell everybody to do what they don't do themselves and they go to church once a week. Hands up if you met a religious person. Not everybody in the building. And then you've got these other mob down here. They're the general flying floppers. I'm a good person. I've never hurt anybody. I only have a few beers a day. Gosh, it's not bad. You I mean, I'm living my life, having fun. General flying flopper, most of my men... Hands up, fellas, if you come in a general flying flopper. <laughs> All of them. <laughs> so most of them come in general flying floppers. And a lot of them actually have been scarred by religion. They've been forced to go to church their whole life. 
And, then, and all of a sudden, when they get the age of 14 or 15, and they see mum or dad do something that doesn't line up with what they believe, and they hear this voice, if religion's like that, I want nothing to do with it. And all of a sudden, you can feel it go from your head into your heart. And then you've got this other mob over here. They're the Christianese mob. That was me. Full on God botherer. If you don't want to know about Jesus, boy, look out because here I come. Um, I've done it wrong for 10 years. For 10 years, I actually pushed religion down people's throat. I've learned more in the last eight years running Shalom than, than I have in my whole life. I don't have one program, I have 140 programs because they think differently, speak differently, act differently, respond differently. Every one of them is completely different. What I've learned in the last 10 years, how do we as Christians communicate what we know to be true without pushing what we believe down someone's throat? It's not okay to push religion down someone's throat. A lot of people have actually been hurt by religion and when you bring up the name Jesus Christ or God, all of a sudden they put walls up because of what's in their heart. So how do you communicate what you know to be true without pushing what you believe down on someone's throat. That's the challenge. Every one of my men, they all become Christians within a couple of weeks of being in Shalom. I've worked out how to communicate what I know to be true without pushing religion down people's throats. Psalm 46.10, Psalm 46.10. I remember in jail, I kept getting that one day, and then all of a sudden, 2010, the door shut on the prison on me, and I heard this Psalm 46.10. I said, oh, for crying out loud. And I grabbed my little box, which is my NASAB, New American Standard Translation Bible. And it said, cease striving, be still and know that I'm God. I've been hearing Psalm 46.10 for like three years. And all of a sudden I realised truth. And I got this picture of me 60 miles up that way and God back in here and said, waiting for you to finish yet? It wasn't funny. I had to fall on my knees and repent because I actually got right ahead of God. I had my plan how I was going to lead everyone to Jesus. I had my plan of how I was actually going to convert them and, and, and be the potter and help them grow and all that sort of stuff. But it was me. Unless the Lord builds a house, they labour in vain who built it. I was building God's house and he was sitting back there. And, and he said, you finished yet? And man, I got on my knees and I cried and I said, I'm sorry, God. I'm sorry, God. I'm sorry, God. And then I started changing the way I communicated my faith. The best way to communicate your faith is to shut your mouth and live it. The actions would speak louder than your words. And the Bible says that we are the light of the world. Let your light shine. People should see God in us by the way that we live our life, that our actions would speak louder than our words. What he told me, he said, Peter, Matthew 6, 33, he says, seek first, seek first, seek first the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. Put into practice what it is that I teach you. Seek first the kingdom of God above all else and I will give you everything you need. Take one day at a time, Peter, because each day has enough trouble of its own. And so what I've done ever since 2010, I actually do that. I start my day on my knees, I end my day on my knees, and when I end my day at the end of the day, I go through my phones and I delete every single text that is on my day. And, and I pray and I ask God for forgiveness for the mistakes that I made in my day. And when I wake up in the morning, the Word of God says that God's mercy shines new every day that He removes my sin as far as the east is from the west. And, and again... I just be a doer of God's word, not a hearer of God's word. The word of God is living and active, sharper than a double-edged sword, that it penetrates the heart, the mind, the soul, the spirit. It discerns the innermost thoughts and intentions of the heart. The word of God is not just a book, it's alive, it's living, it's active. 
I've found over the last 18 years, especially the last eight years, that as I behold him, as I gaze upon his glory, as I spend time in the word of God, in prayer, in worship, in fellowship, the more time I behold him, the more like him I become. What you behold is what you become. You spend lots of time in front of your television, you'll become like your television. You become, spend lots of time and behold the word of God and behold Christ Jesus and behold the teachings, you behold the worship, you behold the fellowship. As you behold him, you are changed into his image. We are being changed from glory to glory to glory. Now at this deposit, when I first became a Christian, my God, I've learned more in the last eight years than I have in my whole life. When you first become a Christian, it's like this ladder. I might give myself a bit of room. One, two. Who likes my little book thing, Mijiggy? This used to be free, this app, and then one day I clicked on it, halfway, just about to start, and it says $79.95 for a year. Ooh! <laughs> on the seventh day, God created the Apple product that he rested. The Samsung Galaxy is like an Ishmael, you mean? It was, he couldn't wait, so they created the Samsung. <laughs> it's true! It works in sync, look! Everything just pairs up. When I got new to become a Christian, all of a sudden God put me here. I didn't understand the growth process of Christian. But that heart of mine, it actually needed cleaning up. I had unforgiveness, bitterness, resentment, anger, all that sort of stuff. And then when Christ, all of a sudden, came alive on the inside of me, I felt a deposit of his spirit on the inside. I felt him in there. I had this inexpressible joy and this cup was put over the top of my head and the process began. We are in a, in a process of being changed from glory to glory, from grade one to grade two to grade three to grade four to grade five. When I asked Christ into my heart, something happened on the inside. Well, I had a hallelujah, love with Jesus. Everything's nice and dandy. As I got into the word of God and I started reading the word of God, I felt... It's like the Holy Spirit on the inside picked up his tutu dance and started doing a dance on the inside. I'd hear a person preach a message and I'd feel the Holy Spirit inside me just leap for joy. And then one day he disappeared. And I said, where are you, God? What have I done? I'm sorry for kicking the cat and swearing at the frog and pushing the cat down the drain. I felt like he disappeared. I didn't know that he said, I'll never leave you, never forsake you, that I'm always by your side. He had his hand on my shoulder, but I didn't know it. Two temptations come my way. One was flesh, one was spirit. He'd imparted to me as I went through the hallelujah, love you, Jesus, everything's nice and dandy stage. Everything that I need to overcome, the trial, that is coming my way. In this gap here, it says to rejoice in the times of trials and tribulations because the testing, the testing of your faith develops perseverance and perseverance must finish its work that you would be complete, whole, lacking in nothing. God had disappeared. Two temptations come my way. I made the right choice and then I felt his presence come upon me. I went to grade two. And then I had the hallelujah, love with Jesus, everything's nice and dandy. Who's had that? Isn't it good? And then he disappeared. Two temptations come my way. And then I went to grade three. And he grabbed me by the scruff of the head and he spun my head around and he looked at through each one of the trials and the tribulations and the testings that I went through. And I could see that I actually started to change. And what he was doing in me, he was forming Christ Jesus in me. 
people around me, I couldn't see it myself, but people around me started to see that my thinking started to change. My speech started to change. Who I was as a person starting to change. Ten years, first five years, Bible college, or three years Bible college, five years at Acacia Prison of God Botherer, and then from 2010 I had a real bad spiritual experience, which I would call the dark night of the soul, and I had this thing uh, where uh, God says, cease striving, be still, and know that I'm God. I went through nearly two years of a really bad spiritual experience, which basically humbled me to make sure that I stopped striving and that I actually come behind God and not got ahead of God. And now I just get up each day and I take one day at a time because each day has enough trouble of its own. And I watch what it is that God does, not because of me, but in spite of me. I can tell you testimony after testimony of how God in the last eight years, since 2002 to today, how God has actually established Shalom. We're 100% self-funded and we have 70 to 100 staff. We have 140 residents. We have 15 men, um, soon to be 19, with their wives and children. And it costs nobody nothing. We don't want anything from anybody. We don't need anything from anybody. Because God provides everything we need over and above and more. We literally lack for nothing. Lack for nothing. He's amazing. He's mind-blowingly surreal. But I learned the hard way. What he was telling me through all the stuff that I've been through... Peter, are you a vessel prepared for the master's use? What's inside you influences how you think, how you feel about yourself, how you treat those around you. What's inside of you actually influences how you speak to people. It influences how you respond. Now, if I was to ask you one question, and I was to draw a circle here, and this is Steve, and this is me, my fellows are not allowed to answer this. If this is Steve in the middle and this is Steve's life, that circle, and this is me here, who's more qualified to see what's happening in Steve's life? Me or Steve? Hands up for Steve. Nice and high. Okay. Hands up for me. No, you can't be middle, bro. <laughs> you can't be middle. It's actually me. The reason being, this is what I've learned. How do you communicate what you know to be true without pushing religion down someone's throat? Jesus Christ is the Son of God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. Three forms, one substance, water, steam, ice. It's true. You're not just a fart in the wind. God loves you. He cares about you. And as long as there's blood in your veins and air in your lungs, he will continue to knock on your door. Sometimes it takes a person on the outside of the circle to show the person on the inside what it is they can't see. But how do you communicate what you know to be true without pushing religion down someone's throat? Throw away your Christianese. Let people see your faith in you by the way that you live your life. I spent 15 years or 10 years, plus the five years at a case, or two years at a case, or 12 years, trying to be like you, trying to be Christianese. A Jesus here and a Jesus there and a glory here and a glory there. And now I'm just Pete. 12 years of trying to be like everybody around me in my church. And I said, God, I can't be like that. And then one day I heard it's clear as though I didn't ask them to be you, uh, to be them. Be you. Now I'm just me. You should see my faith in me by the way that I live my life. That my actions would speak louder than my words. How I am with my money, how I am with my wife. How I am in the way that I live my life. 
All my men in, in a couple of weeks come to know Jesus in, in two weeks. Isn't that beautiful? We have one fellow at the back there, he got new, he's only been here two days. How many, yeah, come out the front here, we'll, we'll just play with them. <laughs> come on, buddy. So where do you fly over from? Um, I come over from Sydney. Hold it, you go. Okay. You fly over from Sydney? Yeah, I flew over from Sydney. Yep. And then how much time do I give you to get on the plane? Probably about like a few hours. <laughs> and then you arrived in Perth and tell me what's happened since you've been here. Yeah, since I've arrived in Perth, um, I've actually, I've learnt a lot. I've learnt a lot that I could have, um, you know, learnt a lot that I could have lost. And I've learnt a lot that I can gain from this program. And yeah, it's been... It's been really good. Spiritually, what's been happening the last... How long have you been here? Four days? Yeah, five days. What's been happening spiritually the last few days? Um, it's been crazy. <laughs> you got yeah. nuked, eh? Yeah, I got nuked. Got nuked hard. It's like I took a um, shotgun straight to the chest, really. <laughs> was it a good feeling? Yeah, it was great. He's off the charts, isn't he? Yeah. He's a dark snuts, eh? Yeah. Straight out. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> yeah. Give him a hand. Yeah. Well done. Hey, well done. What we're going to do is we're going to close with a two-second testimony. Um, Jared, where are you? Jared? Hey? Where's Scott? Where are you, Jared? No, 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 no. I don't. How do you communicate what you know to be true without pushing religion down someone's throat? It's by the way that you live your life. We've got 140 fellows in our house um, who, who all come to know Christ. And the way that they come to know Christ is through relationship. It's about a relationship with God. It's not by works. Uh, you're right. You look a bit nervous. You're supposed to be prepared in season and out of season. See? So what I'm going to do is just to chuck, it, chuck him the curveball and say, here's a famous preacher. He likes to preach. He's going to give you a testimony, but he's not only going to give his testimony, he's actually going to close the service for us. Give him a hand. Yeah. I'll sit over having him watch. Um, is it still morning? Hi. Yes, good morning, everyone. I, um, I'm Jared O'Dowd. Um, I was born in 1982 in New South Wales, Sydney. Um... I was a pastor's kid. Uh, I grew up in a beautiful family, Christian life. I've, um, yeah, I've lived in about four different states. Uh, ended up here in Perth in 2001. Um, like Pete says, yeah, I, I think I was, um, I was reamed with a lot of Christianity and stuff as a young child and moving school to school, not settling in and um, meeting new people and... Um, just trying to fit in the culture around me. Um, I, try, I, I try to find my identity with things that I shouldn't have done. Um, with, I suppose, um, women and drugs and just the wrong things. So for, um, yeah, 36 now, so for 20 odd years I was doing definitely the wrong thing. Um, was putting poison in my body. Um, so, like, my journey with um, being who I am and where I've got to now, um, so I've always had, God has always had my back. And I mean, 
by meaning that is that like all the trouble that I've been in and everything that I've faced in life, um, just somehow I just got out of it. And there's no, I can't fathom how I got out of it with just being where I was at the time. Um, I've, like my mum's had dreams where I should have been dead. Um, I've definitely was at the bottom of the bottom, um, which, you know, Pete makes sure that we are before we actually get into Shalom. And also, I, um, so I've seen a lot and I've done a lot. Um, yeah, I, okay, well, I don't know where to start, but basically that, um, it was hard, like, with the journey, I suppose, just trying to fit in is something that I realise it's, you don't need to do that anymore. I, um, I just keep, I, I know that I, I, I'm at a place now that I just got to be myself and that, like, I just, like, live the way that I need to live and instead of trying to impress everybody all the time, which I was in life, is to just keep going and just keep my, you know, head up for the prize. And I think the prize is now is to get my family and my daughter. I've got a 16-year-old daughter who um, I finally got back and it's great feeling. Um, I mean, the, the whole journey of life and... I. It's just that I felt that I was a huge disappointment and I definitely did um, destroy a lot of lives on the way. But I'm now maintaining that with the grace of God and everything that's around me, even the fellows around me, that it's just, they're amazing people. Um, the staff that's around us, they're just amazing people. And just the, yeah, I feel this is my home. It's going to be my home now for a couple of years and I'm looking forward to it and actually coming out a better man. And... Um, and that's all, yeah, it's all thanks to God. And uh, I, yeah, I gave my life to God years ago, um, but just was doing the wrong thing, like Pete was saying, like I was just a Christianese. I was going to church and then I'd go hang out down the pub and get really wasted and um, go to church actually higher than the church, you know? It was not, it's not okay and I'm learning that now that yeah, uh, and just recently I, um, we've been prophesied over by a lady came and prophesied over me and that was just, my whole thing, like, my cup wasn't full and I think he's full now because um, I, I lost my sister seven years ago, a little bit longer, sorry, um, of a brain tumour and I just lost, it actually just tipped me right over. I, um, yeah, started doing really bad things and... Um, and I've, I've just been seeking, like, where is she, where is she? But I've been told that she's finally, she's sitting with God and, you know, it's, it's a good feeling. Um, Let me ask you three questions. Where were you when you first came into Shalom? Mentally, emotionally? Um, worthless, useless. Um, living day to day, just for day to day to get my next hit. Um, emotionally, just, yeah, just didn't feel anywhere like that I was welcome. The only places I was welcome is a place that was no, there was just a dead end. What was your bottom of the bottom of the bottom? Um, sleeping in a, in a toilet down at, um, at, a, at the beach at Queen's Rocks, um, trying to survive just by having a shower in a, in a, in a beach shower. And yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't good. But it is good because it taught me a lesson um, that 
I need to actually just start doing it on my own. I can't keep going back to the people that I've already burnt, which would have been my family and friends. And, um, and it's good. And this program has taught me that, like, even like at first, it was like not realising that, you know, your parents and your friends and your family actually enable you. And um, when Pete was saying the bottom of the bottom, like he just asked people to come alongside the program. And if one person does, everyone comes alongside that one person. Otherwise, if you don't, you're not going to get to the spot you need to be to actually make sure and realise that, wow, I really do need to change my life. What have you had to confront since you've been here? Confront? Um, I've confronted... Um, to bring out into the light. Don't hold it back. Hmm. Um, Those words that come in your head? Well, just now? Yep, stick them to the microphone. <laughs> it's a lot of salt. Nah. I, um, I think, I mean... Um, to be honest with you, I, like... It's just humbling. Like, I, I used to walk around, like, just even your pride, and I've still got pride, and I'm trying to nail that on, just get rid of it. And, I mean, at first when I come in the pro, being 36, and I, I was... The, well, now 37, sorry, my birthday not long ago. But um, coming to someone that's been in the program, it doesn't matter, we're all equal in the program. No matter what you are, who you are, what you, what you are, we're all the same. But I was getting told by a 20-year-old what to do is uh, something that you just don't like yeah right okay i'll um no and i was always i was being i wasn't humble enough i wasn't listening to what i was being told and like that's what's good about where i am at the moment is that the people that are already there and been through the program are like holding a baton out in front of us saying come on you can get to this point and i'm slowly i'm chipping away at all the um things that are needs to be done in life to become who I need to be for my family, for my, definitely for my daughter. Because um, at the moment she's going through a bit that I'm, you know, handing up to the great, uh, for the, my, our father in heaven that just to just take for me because it's a, it's a tough journey. And the reason why she's like that is because the prickle that I was, um, she didn't have the father she needed and she's leaning on other fellas now to get what she's seeking and it sucks, but... You know, um, I'm in a great place, and um, I love it. Give me a hand, please. Yeah. Right. I just want to... Um, as, a, just a, as a bunch of Christian people in God's church, we're all Christians, I just going to be real with you. I know I'm going five minutes or six minutes over time. But this green heart, as God is, God is love in its purest form, His truth in its purest form, His honesty in its purest form, His integrity in its purest form, His love in its purest form, His, his a fullness of everything that is beautifully, beautifully, flawlessly, mind-blowingly good. Now I'm going to share with you what it is that has affected my men to bring them to the bottom of the bottom of the bottom that actually also not only affects them, but it actually affects us as the body of Christ. What's in you operates through you. What's in you influences how you feel, how you think, how you act, how you treat those around you, how you are with your money. We should be Christ. People should see Christ in us by the way that we live our life. But I have men in my house whose dad, when they were six or seven, 
left a, a pornography book lying on a bench. And this six or seven-year-old kid grabs this pornography book, he opens it up, stares at it, stares at all these images. These images come to his brain, the D whispers to his brain, and all of a sudden something goes to his heart. It lands. It's a seed. A lot of the thoughts that we get, they're not actually our thoughts, they're introduced thoughts. And what happens is the D is planted a seed. But it sits back and waits for other opportunities when it faces circumstances that he does and doesn't create. And he tries to use that seed to whisper to that seed to make that seed grow. That's how addiction grows. If you pervert another lady and you're a married man and you stare at another lady and you get a thought in your brain and you say yes to that thought, you can actually feel that thought go from your head into your heart. I have a man who was an aircraft engineer and all he had was, uh, was aircraft pilot, flow 747s. He was in my house for anger for 18 months. He'd come home and, and he loved his dad. He idolised his dad. And his dad was a fly, fly, fly worker. And the dad pulls in the driveway. He's, Daddy, Daddy. So he jumps out of the car and dad's at the tap wanting to go have a beer. And he's winding up the hose. And he pulls over and runs to grab dad the hose and wants to help dad. And, and dad pulls the hose, looks around and says, Get off the hose, you little prick. Cool. <laughs> Get off the hose, little prickle. And all of a sudden, this little kid, this little tiny kid who loves his dad, heard his dad call him a little prickle. And it's like that went from his head into his heart. And he ran to mum and he cried. That, that entered that little boy's heart. And instead of being the person that dad ran to, he was the person that dad ran from. I have a lot of men in my house that come from one country and move to another country at the age of 13 or 14, taken away from the safety of their school, brought to a strange country. Now they're in this country, they feel like they don't fit. They didn't get a say. Something's whispered them, you don't belong. And they have unforgiveness and bitterness towards their mum or their dad. At the age of 14 or 15, a child will take away the right for the parent to speak into its life away from them. We are supposed to bring up a child in the way that that child should go so that child should not depart from it. To equip that child, to empower that child, to resource that child, to live, the, to live the life that God wants that child to live. And the way that we do that is by the way that we live our life, that our actions would speak louder than our words, that we should actually be Christ in this world. People should see Christ in us by the way that we live our lives. We can't just say do it when we don't do it ourselves. But a lot of my men, they have unforgiveness, bitterness, resentment, rejection, a loss of a loved one, dad's died early. And a lot of these are the seeds which the D whispers and he tries to get them all to grow. It's not good. Me, my whole life, I thought I was useless, a weed, I was no good. I've played mums and dads with my sister. I've played doctors and nurses. I've actually fondled another boy's genitals when I was nine growing up. I've slept with hundreds of prostitutes behind my wife's back. I've broken the houses and stolen cars. I've done lots of things over the course of my life that I'm ashamed of and I'm sorry. But I was too scared to actually speak out and openly tell people what it is that was in my heart, what it is that I actually done, because I was scared of what people would think of me. Well, I really don't care what any of you think of me. I don't care what anybody thinks of me on the face of the planet at all, in any way, shape or form. He who is without sin cast the first stone. But ever since I've brought all the stuff out in the open, 
And I went to my sister and I went to my, this, my ex-girlfriend. I went to my mum and I asked my mum for forgiveness. And, and I went to my dad and I told my wife and I talked about the mums and the dads. And you see, my sexuality was awoken at the age of eight when I was molested. Um, I actually see my mum doing sexual stuff as a kid that I should have saw. And all this stuff entered me. A lot of you here, you've done stuff that you're ashamed of. Right? That you won't tell anybody, yet you keep get pounded with these thoughts and you've got this besetting sin. These besetting thoughts in your brain. John 8, 31, 32 says, If you abide in me and my word, you would know the truth, and the truth would set you free or make you free. The word of God is living and active, sharper than the double-edged sword, that it penetrates the heart, the mind, the soul, the spirit. As I confess my sin one to another, James 5, 16, it says, Confess therefore, confess therefore your sins, your slips, your faults, your flaws, one to another, that you might be healed and restored to a spiritual tone of mind and heart that the earnest heartfelt prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective, dynamic in its working. When you actually bring all the stuff that's in your heart out into light, it actually makes the deed lose its power over your life. Your thinking changes, your speech changes, who you are as a person changes, how you feel about yourself changes. Not only that, your whole family changes and people start to see Christ Jesus in you. And that's all I've done in the last eight years. I brought all my stuff out into the open. I thought I was okay. I was a full-on Christian, but yet I was still filthy on the inside. What about you? Now I just get up, I take one day at a time, because each day has enough trouble to own. I seek first the kingdom of God above all else. I put all my stuff out in the open. No flies can land on me. The devil marches around me daily, and he's looking like this. He's saying, Pete, how can I get in? How can I get in? Well, I'm not letting him. If I see a woman, and a thought goes from my head to my heart, I tell my wife in two seconds flat. The, the, the D's not getting me no more. He had me for 26 years of my life. A challenge to you as the body of Christ. I want to challenge you as the body of Christ. What is in you? You've done things in your past that you're ashamed of. You've done stuff that you've never told anybody. I'm telling you the freedom that you experience by, by bringing that out into the light. Oh my God. How do I communicate what I know to be true? It's Christ, the Spirit of the living God. It's the truth that sets you free. And the more you bring this stuff out in the open, we've all made mistakes. Even that intimacy level between me and my wife. You mean, it was completely restored when I confessed all my stuff one to another. Is your conscience clean? Is your conscience clean? Is your conscience clean? Holy Spirit, I just ask that you'd move amongst every person here is your conscience clean? If your conscience is not clean, whatever it is that you've got at the top of your brain, speak to your pastor. Speak to your cell group. Bring it out into the light and stop the devil having access into your life. It stops the thoughts coming to your brain. It enables you for Christ Jesus to move in you and through you. Oh, I love him. I love him. He's my daddy. I love him. He is beautiful and adorable and gorgeous and wonderful and majestic. Ah, oh, I want you to feel what I feel. I want you to see what I see. He's changed me. He's changed my wife. He's changed my children. My children are godly men. He's changed my brothers, my family. Bring everything out into the light and let Jesus be formed in you. It's him and us, the hope of glory. It's him, the one that brings people to Jesus, not us. We've got to just be shine. We're the lights of the world. Let your light shine. Thank you very much.
Awesome. Hey, uh... Wow.